sometimes it's good to start with the obvious. This is hard. One of the things I love about the service is that there are often people who just come in drawn by the candles, people who are new, and so you may be wondering, why is this so hard? Well, those of you who have been here a while know that this is my last Sunday and my last service as rector here at St. James for what has been more than 26 years. So this is hard. It's hard because, of course, so much has happened. There has been the history we've all lived through in the world, 9-11. Wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the continuing tragedy of racism and gun violence in this country, the recession in 2009, and COVID. And then there has been the history that many of us have shared over these years in this parish, rebuilding the church and the parish house finding ourselves discovering the gift of a Lilly program that became a Rockwell ministry in which we are able to mentor new clergy so that they can find their footing as priests for the long haul. There have been ministries that we hoped would transform us and the people. We partnered with in Southern Malawi, in Haiti, with the children who have a parent in prison. In fact, during our time here, Davis and I and Ryan Fleener transformed this service. Many of you only know it like this, but it used to look quite different. A lot has changed. We have, over these years, come to celebrate same-sex weddings. And we have also investigated our own complicated history with the slave trade. All of that, plus all the things that happen in a congregation's life, weddings and baptisms and funerals, and every bit of it grounded at that table in Christ's body and blood. It's been a remarkable time, and it is hard, not just remembering all that history, but above all else, in seeing you. Because when I look out in this congregation, there are many of you that I know and know well. I have been with you in times of incredible joy, and times of almost indescribable grief, and all those other times in between. I know what it is that you carry with you, all of those things that are part of who you are day by day. And though I don't actually like to talk about myself much when I preach, because I think the gospel is more interesting than I am, and it is, you also know me. You do know me from some things I've said in sermons. You know me from conversations in hallways, at coffee hours, in Bible studies and meetings, 
and sometimes in hospital rooms or in your home or ours. It was this parish that celebrated with my husband Tom and I when we brought our son Christopher home from Guatemala. And it was this congregation that supported us and prayed for us all when, as a teenager, Christopher was beset by crippling anxiety and depression. And if you're able to come to the party on April 26th, you'll get to see the happy and lovely young adult Chris is now. It was this congregation that supported me when right before homecoming in 2004, my mother died, and you knew I needed to be with my family rather than here. These are memories I will always cherish as I cherish the notes that you have written, the messages you have left, because it is all about the life that we've shared. But if you know me, you know I have to preach, and I have to preach about the gospel. And the good news is that the gospel for today is exactly the right gospel for this day and this time. Thomas, who does not deserve the label of doubter which has been affixed to him through the centuries, I prefer to think of Thomas as an honest skeptic. And we here are New Yorkers. And who among us does not appreciate an honest skeptic? Who among us doesn't like to think of ourselves as honest skeptics? It's a fine thing to be. And why on earth wouldn't he be skeptical? He has heard from the other disciples the seemingly fantastic tale of Jesus coming through a locked door into the room and offering them peace. These are not men who would be trusted, not at that point. Every one of them had fled when Jesus was arrested, Thomas included, and not a single one was there to see his crucifixion. Thanks, I can imagine Thomas saying, but I'll need to see this one for myself. Well, it turns out that Jesus also appreciates an honest skeptic because he enters that room again, and though the door is not locked, it is still closed when he comes in. And there are two things that make Jesus' presence, Jesus' real presence, undeniable. Undeniable to Thomas, and when we encounter Jesus, undeniable for us. The first is that Jesus always comes with love, and it's love that excludes no one. Not disciples who have failed and betrayed him. Not people other people think are unacceptable or unlovable or unforgivable. He showed that all through his ministry. Jesus comes with love that excludes no one. But Jesus also comes knowing suffering, knows it as the devastating human reality it is. 
He certainly showed his compassion in his ministry, in his healing, and in that forgiveness, going amongst those others found untouchable, as well as unacceptable, and touching them to heal them. But they are seeing him now, after his crucifixion, and the wounds, his own wounds, are visible. He knows pain and suffering from the inside out, and his wounds are every bit as real as our own. And that is why seeing love stronger than death standing in front of him, Thomas cannot help but say, my Lord and my God. Thomas will be the first disciple across all these years to say those words, but he will not be the last. My Lord and my God. There was a 19th century writer who wrote that all any parish needs is one person who knows God at more than second hand. Just one person who knows God at more than second hand. I imagine Thomas was his patron saint because Thomas refused to accept hand-me-down faith, second-hand faith. What delights me, even in the sadness of leaving this parish and this sanctuary that I love, what delights me is that I am leaving a parish full of people who know God through Jesus firsthand. Because together we have prayed. Together we have waded into the scriptures with all their complexity and wonder. Together, we have cared for one another and called upon Jesus. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We have not seen Jesus in the flesh, but through the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, we know him. And so, as First Peter writes, we love him. So as I prepare to leave, know that I love you. Not as much as Jesus does. Jesus loves you more. But I do love you. And I will miss you. I will miss the music in this place. I will miss at some of the other parts of this building and other services, the noise of our children. I will miss it all. I trust that you will remember me, and I trust as well that you will welcome my successor with an open heart. And I know whoever the next rector is, that rector is also just going to insist on preaching the gospel. What I hope most of all is that you and I We'll trust Jesus to lead us into the future. Jesus, our Lord 
and our God.